Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, August 27, 2023. Today's sermon will be part two from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 24. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. If you would go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. And as we are turning there, I just want to say that um, it, is, um, it is really good to sing such songs about the gospel of Christ. Um, I'm reading, <clears throat> reading a book right now with Caleb Youngblood, and it's on how we do worship. And really the book is saying what we do when we gather together as a church is we re-present the gospel every week. That's what we do. Um, as my dad, before he passed away, he used to listen to my sermons. He, say, he would say, John, you, you preach the same thing every week. And, and I really do. Because that's what we do when we sing. That's what we do when we pray. That's what we do when we open the scriptures is we represent the gospel every single week. And so it's good to sing. The gospel has been presented already in our songs. And so that, that, is, that is so good. Hebrews chapter 12 <clears throat> This sermon is part two, um, and there's probably going to be a part three, maybe even a part four, but this is part two under the umbrella of the kingdom of Christ. Because in Hebrews 12, if you go on down to verse 28, verse 12, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So <clears throat> we were there last week, but this week, <coughs> excuse me, this week I'm going to do a topical sermon on Mount Zion. I've never done that before. I've never preached on Mount Zion before, and I'm really looking, looking forward to it. But it's my title of the sermon this morning is called Mount Zion, The Glorious Gospel of Christ. So let me read verse 22 of Hebrews 12, just the first part of it, then we'll pray and get started. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day again. What, what really beautiful words that we read from the book of Hebrews. That we have come. Not that we will come. We know we look forward to that one day, but we have already come to Zion. The heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God, and we know that is in Christ. Today I pray the gospel would be proclaimed. I pray that Mount Zion, as a picture, that we would, we would get great understanding today of the gospel of Christ and some of the things, that some of the blessings that we have in Christ. May He increase, may I decrease. Father, Pray that you would work in, the, in just in the words, your words, and just as, as I stand here as a sinner, just trusting in you. Father, we give you this time. Thank you, JB. In Jesus' name, amen. So our text today says, you have come. So these words are written to the Hebrew Christians of their time, and they're written to us today, the same word of God. You have come. So you and I, we as Christians, have come to Mount Zion. The language is clear. To come to Mount Zion is to come now to Christ, who is the fulfillment of all of what Mount Zion 
pictures for us. So those Hebrew Christians had come to Christ by faith. And today, we have come to Christ by faith. This is now. Now, again, we do wait. We still have sin. We still have Satan. We still have the things, this evil world. We are waiting. Hebrews 13, 14. We are still waiting for a city yet to come. But this text right here, right now, is about not about the future so much. It pictures something more glorious than new heavens and new earth, but it is for us now. And so what I want to do this morning is to think about Mount Zion in the Old Testament and, and then bring that and show how Christ is the fulfillment of Mount Zion. Thinking about a song. Anybody ever heard, what's that song? I'm, Larry, you probably heard it, I'm sure. Some of it was older. Uh, we are marching to Zion. Anybody ever heard that song? Beautiful, beautiful Zion. I'm sorry, Larry's laughing at me. Steve's shaking his head. I know we used to sing that. And there's a lot of songs in the hymnals that speak about Zion. And so, I mean, just go up the street. Kimball here, my wife, works at Mount Zion, United Church of Christ. You know, I looked it up. Do you know how many Mount Zions there are in the United States? I, I couldn't find a number, but it is like innumerable, okay? And how many Mount Zion preschools and how Mount, Mount Zion churches? and how, you, you put the denomination in there. It doesn't matter. Mount Zion is everywhere we look. So why is that? Well, this is what I want to explore just for a few minutes in this sermon this morning. Because when we get, come to the book of Hebrews and then the rest of the New Testament, there is really nothing more glorious than Mount Zion and the great work of God on that mountain, we could say. And so that's very, very important. But our author here in Hebrews describes Mount Zion as the place and the reality of all of God's promises to his people. The glory that God gives to Zion is now described as what we have in the New Covenant. And I'm, I'm indebted to John Owen and A.W. Pink for some of these truths this morning, but all the applications and things are my own. So before we begin, though, I have, or before I, I give a little more explanation, I have six truths, okay? They're, they're pretty short. I know you're thinking, oh my, John normally can't get through two or three, but I got six fairly short truths, okay? about Mount Zion. But before we get there, I want us to think a little bit about Mount Zion and how it came about. Zion is mentioned 154 times in the, in the Old Testament. Seven times in the New Testament. So we're looking at, you know, 161 times in the Bible. And so if we go back, the first time that it was mentioned was in 2 Samuel chapter 5. David had become the king of Israel. He'd been ruling seven years over in a place called Hebron. He had been anointed king. But under his rule, he had not come to Jerusalem yet to rule the entire kingdom. Okay? And so after seven years, David came to finally came to Jerusalem, and all the tribes they united under him. And they said, Yes, David, you are our king. And we will we look forward to your rule over us. And so David then comes to Jerusalem and through all of the lots of history but he brings the ark and everything and he brings everything to Jerusalem but there was an area even at that time in southwest Jerusalem 
It was the highest part of the city. And it was called a stronghold. It, because it was the highest part of the city, and there, were still, there was still another people there, even at that time, that still held on to that stronghold. They were called the Jebusites. And so there were these Jebusites when David came in, holding on to the stronghold there, the highest part of the city. And so David came in, and they said, this cannot be taken. This place, this, this, these two hills here are impenetrable. But what does David do? The Bible doesn't make much point about it there, but David goes in and he conquers the Jebusites. And he takes that area of Jerusalem in the southwest part of the city. And so today, or at that time even, he calls it the stronghold of David in the, New, in the Old Testament. Or it's called the city of David. Okay? And so that's just a little bit of background. But at that particular time in Israel's history... Their system of worship under the Mosaic law was at a, at a kind of a low point, okay, even coming up to David. For many years, they had been defeated by their enemies, by, particularly by the Philistines. They had a king, first king, remember his name? Saul. He was a, an all right king sometimes, but at the end, he, he, he was a proud and a disobedient man. And so God took the kingdom away from Saul. He gave it to David. At that time as well, the priesthood had all but collapsed. The Philistines had taken the Ark of God away during, you know, during this general area, this time period. And then, suddenly, at the right time, God raised up King David to establish his kingdom. And he was a man after God's own heart. And so David comes in and captures this area in Jerusalem. So the capturing of Zion was a grand and glorious moment in the history of Israel. So when Zion was captured, it was as if the people at that, at that time, they knew, okay, Zion was taken, the rest of the city is already ours. We know God has established the kingdom of David and the city of Jerusalem. They knew that. So the capturing of Zion is humongous in the history of Israel. And eventually, if you continue to read about Zion... David built his house. There were two hills, okay? On one hill, David built his palace where he lived, his house. And then a little bit later, on the other hill, which, by the way, that hill is called Mount Moriah, that was the hill upon which Solomon would build the temple. So this area was, was the king's house, and it was the temple. So we got the king kingship represented we've got the priesthood represented all in mount zion there in jerusalem and so this is this is very very important so if i <clears throat> just want to read a couple verses from the old testament that speak about zion psalm 48 verses 2 and 3 says beautiful in elevation is the joy of all the earth mount zion in the far north, the city of the great king, within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. Psalm 50, verse 2. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Psalm 133, 3. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. 
I say all that because it's, it's just real important for us to understand how important it is for the Jewish person and the history of the Jewish people. We, we just cannot downplay Zion because we are here and we are not. I, there may be some Jewish folks here. I don't know, but we're, we're here in China Grove. I imagine most of us are Gentiles coming from all the other parts of Europe in different places and some from here, but we do not get it. So that's why I wanted to say that and, and to give that bit of history this morning. And so when you think about that land of Zion, it is the pearl of great price for real estate in the world. Okay? And you, you can go on and watch the news and see all of the issues that have come out of Jerusalem and particularly that part of the town where the, the Dome of the Rock has been built. And, and, and so we... We have no, when we think back through history, the Jews, the Muslims, and even the Christians during the Crusades were trying to, to go and get that piece of real estate because that was the place, okay? That was the place that God established himself. And if you read the rest of the 150-some verses there, you keep going often beside the word Zion, you see the word forever. So God has established Zion forever and we cannot underestimate that so with that in mind okay we come to the new testament and i have six truths about how zion finds its fulfillment in the gospel the good news of jesus christ <clears throat> and i'm not going to give them to y'all up front here just track with me okay in today's very little application a lot of scripture and a lot of doctrine, but I think it will be helpful to us. But truth number one, Zion is the place where God dwells. In the same verse here in Hebrews 12, it is also called the city of the living God. Temple of Solomon was built on Mount Moriah, one of the hills in Zion. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, when that temple was built and the Ark of the Covenant was brought into the temple, do you remember what happened? The glory of the Lord came down, the cloud of glory, the Shekinah glory came down and filled the temple that was built on Mount Moriah in the city in Zion. And then after Solomon, he prays before all the people and he says, okay, when life hits you hard throughout our history, he's speaking to the Jews going forward, he says, when, when famine comes your way, when natural disaster comes your way, when other armies defeat you and they come your way, when you sin, what I want you to do is remember, remember Zion. And you pray towards this temple. And you pray towards this place. And you know what? When you do, in repentance and faith, God will hear what you have to say, because God dwells there. Psalm 911, sing praises to the Lord, who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples His deeds. Psalm 76.2, His abode has been established in Salem, His dwelling place in Zion. It's interesting, it says Salem there. Do you remember who was the king of Salem in Hebrews? Time of Abraham. King of Salem was Melchizedek. He was the king of peace of that very area, which is very interesting. Joel 3.17, 
Speaking of judgment to come upon the enemies of God, we read, So you shall know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. Zion is called God's mountain. It is His holy mountain. And I must note quickly that the text says that God dwells in Zion forever. This means there was no disaster. There was no situation in life. There was no sin too great for the repentant heart that looks to Zion by faith in which God will not answer and give that person favor. So today, as Christians, we come to Mount Zion. text says it. This is the glorious gospel of Christ. He has taken our sins upon Himself. He has found favor. He laid down His life on the cross and He rose again. And when we pray to Him... In the name of Jesus, pray to God in the name of Jesus. We are not praying towards the mountain. We are praying in the name of Jesus who has taken all of our sins. And Jesus, who is he? Well, we know that he is, he is God in the flesh. And so in the New Testament, Jesus does not say, Hey, everyone, go to the temple and find the presence of God. You're not going to find Jesus say that. Now, he might say go to the temple and do the things the priest says before he died on the cross, but he's not ever going to tell them to go there and find presence of God. He's not going to tell them to go to the temple and find forgiveness of sins. He says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Boy, that sounds like a, either a lunatic or someone who, is, who he says he is. He is God in the flesh. But Mount Zion is the place where God dwells. Number two, Zion is the place where God reigns. Now remember, remember the context of Zion. It was a stronghold. It was a place which was thought to be impenetrable. But what happened when King David came in? He took the stronghold. He defeated the Jebusites and he established his house. And there he ruled for another 33 years. And then eventually, Solomon would build the temple, and he would further establish the kingdom there in that area in the city of Jerusalem. Psalm 9, verse 11. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds. Psalm 99, verse 2. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all of the peoples. Psalm 146.10, the Lord will reign forever, your God. O Zion, to all the generations, praise the Lord. So when we come to the book of Hebrews, I'm just reading a few verses, there's so many. But when we come to the book of Hebrews, what does he do, the author of the writer to the Hebrews, what, did he do, what does he do with these prophecies we just read about God reigning and ruling from Zion? What does he do? Look over at chapter 1 of Hebrews, verse 8. Chapter 1 of verse 8. But of the Son, this is the Lord Jesus, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who is ruling now. Verse 13. Chapter 1, uh, Hebrews 1.13. And to which of the angels 
has he ever said, Angel, sit at my right hand until I have made, make your enemies a footstool for your feet. These are the prophecies taken, taken from, the, I believe, the, the writer to Hebrews, his favorite psalm, Psalm 110, which says in verse 2, The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. And I am sure that he has in mind Psalm chapter 2, verse 6, which says, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Brothers and sisters, what God says about Zion is fulfilled in the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So today, where does our Lord sit? Where does the Bible say he sits now? Does he sit on the Temple Mount near the Dome of the Rock somewhere? In the physical land of Israel, which has been destroyed numerous times, and, and even the Temple today is not standing. In fact, there we find again the Dome of the Rock, which the, which the Muslims look to, okay? And even if the temple is rebuilt one day and Judaism flourishes again in Jerusalem, Zion, that place, is still only a picture of the real king who sits in heaven. When? Now. And where does he sit? In heaven. Now. Very clearly. We know that he sits in heaven because he died, and what did he do after three days? He rose again, and he sits, he ascended back to the Father, where he now sits at the right hand of the majesty of God. Hebrews 1, again, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And this, again, is forever, forever. So, to come to Christ today, if you are a Christian is to come to his kingdom where he reigns and where he rules. Number three, Zion is the object of innumerable divine promises. This is what Hebrews, one of the big themes of Hebrews, talking about the promises, looking forward to the promises. Throughout the history of Israel in the Old Testament, the prophets, they say, God has made these promises. And he's made these promises, many of them, to Zion. So, Psalm 69, 35. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah. People shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants, they shall inherit it. Those who love his name shall dwell in it. Isaiah 1, 26 and 27. Listen to this promise. And I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterwards you shall be called the city of righteousness. The faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice. And we'll get there next week. And those in her who repent by righteousness. Isaiah 59 verse 20 and 21. And a redeemer will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from their transgression. Declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth. They shall not depart from your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring, or out of the mouth of your children's, children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. And so, brothers and sisters, these promises and 
and so many more innumerable promises find their fulfillment not in an earthly city, one that is there in the land of Canaan, but in Christ. Think about some of these blessings, promises. Salvation. If you are in Christ today, your sins are forgiven. You are saved. You have been delivered from your sins. All the things that you did this week and last week and the week before and all the things you're sorry for and all the things that you say, I've done it again, Lord. I've committed that same sin again that I told you I will not do that again. All of our sins have been nailed to the cross. All of them. And they, we have salvation in Christ all of these things that we read about here in the, in, in, in the Old Testament. The building up of Zion. Is he not building a house for himself in the church today? He's building up a house, which he is the head. He's making a dwelling for us. He is restoring us. We are a place of righteousness. We have been redeemed by justice, which falls upon the cross. Repentance is granted to us. Etc., etc. Could we, we could go on all day with the innumerable divine promises given to God's people that are fulfilled in Christ, and we see all of them in the Old Testament spoken to Zion. Every single promise in Christ. Number four, Zion is the object of God's special love. The Old Testament speaks a lot about God loving. Zion and loving its people. Let me just read a few verses. Psalm 87. On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it, it shall be said, This one and that one was born in her. For the Most High Himself will establish her. I, on and on I could go in the Old Testament showing places where, where it says that God loves Zion. And God loves the people of Zion. Well, in the same way, today, love comes down from God the Father to His people through Christ. Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6. We may read this a couple times. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is for us, who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing... In the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. So today, if you have come to Christ, if you have believed on Him, if you have received Him, if you are follower of Jesus Christ today, you are the recipient of all of the love of God that can be given. And this is found in the Son. That's number four. Number five, another truth. 
Zion is the joy of the entire earth. Zion is the joy of the entire earth. God established Zion in the time of David, time of Solomon, and there he began to establish his earthly kingdom. And this brought great joy to Israel. But there are many passages as well that speak about the nations that will come to Zion. Over and over, we read, I'm not going to read, but just a few of them, but so many of them. Listen to some of these verses. Psalm 48, verse 2. Beautiful in elevation is the joy of all the earth. So he's saying that the earth, guys, the peoples of the earth, they don't find their joy there. They find their joy in Zion. Mount Zion, he says, is the joy of all the earth. The far city, the city of the great king. Isaiah 35, 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Did we not sing this morning as Christians? Those of us who are Christians. I don't presume that everyone here is a Christian today. But if you are a Christian and your sins have been forgiven and you know that, you sing differently than the world sings for sure. It says here, come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Micah 4.2 And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways, that we may, may walk in His paths. For out of Zion goes forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Isaiah 51.11 And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Brothers and sisters, that's what we are doing today in Christ. We have come to the city. We've come to Zion, right? We've come to the city of the living God. We, we tend to, most folks, move that only to the future. Yes, it's coming, but this is clear. That's why we sing the way we sing. That's why we can say Christ is the fulfillment of all of these things. And this is kind of like a, a puzzle piece for us because what we're doing with Zion you can also go and do with the temple. You can do with the land. And you can pull up all the kinds of pictures from the Old Testament that I imagine when Jesus walked down the road to Emmaus with those two men after he'd risen from the dead and they said, didn't, he, didn't our hearts burn within us when he explained to us what the Old Testament meant, pointing to Christ and the Scriptures? Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off, but back to the joy of the Lord. Zion is the joy of the entire earth. We have that in Christ today. Here we sit. Here you sit. Coming to a Christian church this morning. And the church is not the building. It is the people. Let me ask, is there any greater source of joy than what you have in Christ? Does it even compare? Because the God, the holy God of all the earth who created and made all things, it says to you, if you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. It's the greatest piece of joy that can come our way. And, and think about it. Could we physically be any further away than Mount Zion? Maybe Australia is a little bit further. But we sit over here. And, and all of these things we've just read say that our blessings come where? On that mountain. Forevermore. So... That's why the writer of Hebrews says, you have come to this city. You have come to Zion. And 
just a side note of that, the gospel of Christ is going out to the nations. So if anybody will find joy, when we send Jeremiah and Ellie here at the end of the year, first of next year, and anybody that we might send out or anybody that we might tell in the world, whether it's right here or whether it's to the ends of the earth, it's so that they also might have joy and they might know who Christ is and come to the city of the living God. Number six, last truth. Zion is the source of salvation and all blessings. You look at the history again, Zion was the place of all of Israel's blessings. That's why when, when uh, I think about Jonah, when he went out on the boat and he moved away, and he was sorry he was going away from Zion. Anytime they left Israel, they were upset because they left the place of God's blessing. So let me ask, do you remember what happened when Israel got carried away? The Babylonians came and took them away, came into their city, destroyed everything, and took them to Babylon. And then as their captors, what did they tell them to do? They told them to sing some songs just to mock them. Do you remember what they said? They said, sing us songs about Zion, just to gloat. Say, that, that mountain, that place in that city, it's gone. We've conquered it. Sing us some songs. Psalm 137.3, this is what the psalmist says as a Jewish person. For there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Oh, how they longed, when they were away from there, longed to go back to Zion. There was the city of David, the stronghold, found in the city of Jerusalem, the great temple, the walls that surrounded it, and all of it set right in the middle of the land of Canaan, the promised land. This is why, brothers and sisters, the same things that I just spoke of, same things I just read are, that are spoken of Zion are also spoken of Christ in the New Testament. Let me read a couple things. Psalm 14, 7. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. They're longing for salvation to come out of Zion when the Lord restores the fortunes of His people. Let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. That's what they would do when they were down, when they were in captivity or things were going bad. Isaiah 46, 13. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the nations, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. That's what we do when we go out and we tell people about Jesus. We are saying, come to Zion, but we're being real clear. Jesus is the fulfillment, and we're saying, your God reigns. That's what we do when we share the gospel of Christ. Psalm 110, verse 2, The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. This is salvation. This is deliverance from God Almighty. And when He rules and brings salvation, what happens? Blessings follow. Now, this is not the prosperity gospel. I'm not preaching that, but it is so prosperous. All the blessings of God in Christ. But today, let me ask, where is salvation found? Is it in Zion 
Well, that's kind of a trick question. Because if Jesus is the fulfillment of Zion, then we could say, yes, but let me explain. Or let me show how Jesus is the fulfillment of that. But let me ask, where are all the blessings of God found? Are they, all the things I've read this morning, are they found in that place? Well, if you just read them as is, yes, they are. But then when we get to the New Testament, we get a clear interpretation and understanding of the fulfillment of Zion. So when we think about the blessings of God now, are they found at the stronghold there, southwest Jerusalem? Are they found on Mount Moriah? Are they found in the great city? Look back with me to Hebrews 12, 22. And the, these words are for us. <clears throat> Here's the answer to our question. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Do you remember last week, though some of you weren't here last week, but last week... I shared the story about Jesus speaking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And he came to her, and they had this conversation. And he said to her, she started to talk about worship. And he said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Can we have anything more clear in the New Testament than the words of Jesus telling them that especially those Hebrew Christians, as you go back, is that's his argument, the author. Leave the old Mosaic law and everything that it, behind it and come to the fulfillment in Christ. That's what he's saying. And so he said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor on that mountain. Now, that's interesting because when this woman asked Jesus about worship and about salvation... Why didn't he tell her then, as a good Jew, to go back to Mount Moriah? Well, the answer's pretty clear. Because all of the blessings spoken of Zion find their fulfillment in the one who was talking to the woman at the well, who is the Messiah. I, the one you are speaking to, I am he. He said to her, if you drink this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink the water that I give, you will never thirst again. And the water I will give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The Jews today who do not trust Jesus, they're not trusting the living water. They are trusting something that will cause them to continue thirsting. The Muslims are doing the same thing. The animists, the Hindus, every religion in the world... People who are just trying to live their lives right and say to God, look at my works, look at my church attendance, look at my baptism, look how much I give, look how good I work, look how honest I am. It's just like going, not going far enough because our works of righteousness are like filthy rags in the sight of God. And so when we think back to this living water, <laughs> I must ask, why did the Jews want to kill Jesus? It's really obvious. It's not just a few words. He said it was all throughout. They wanted to kill him because he elevated himself to the position of God. <clears throat> and he said things like, something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than Solomon is here. I... 
the Bible doesn't say this directly, but I think we could say, Jesus would say, something greater than the stronghold of Zion is here. Exactly the same. What does Acts 4.12 say? There's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you are looking anywhere outside of Christ, who is the fulfillment of all these things I've just said, you are looking in the wrong place and you will thirst again. So brothers and sisters, as I try to close this out, salvation and all the blessings of God are found in Christ. And everything the Bible says about Zion, in fact, go back, go home and get your commentary, I mean your concordance out, look up Zion and read every single one of them. Because then when you come to the New Testament, you'll go, wow, that is amazing. Because exactly all those blessings about salvation and the blessings and the promises, all of those things said about Zion, when we come to Christ, that's exactly what we see. Exactly. Zion was given to Israel and to us looking back, so that when, but particularly to them, so that when they were to come to Jesus, they would know that He is the fulfillment. God speaks to us like we're two-year-olds. He gives us progressive revelation through the covenants all the way through the Old Testament so that when we get to Christ and we see something like Zion, we go, that's it. I get it. There's God's blessings for me. And so this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these Christians. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. So today, I am not focusing my attention on the physical city of Jerusalem and its future establishment. I'm not, I'm not thinking about that. I'll leave those things to the providence of God and His own timing about those things. But I can say with confidence in coming to Hebrews that today and forevermore, what the Bible says about Zion, you and I, we have in Christ. And here they are again. Number one, by faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God dwells in your heart. God dwells in Zion. He dwells with you. In Christ, you are seated with Him in the heavenly places where He now rules till all of His enemies be made His footstool. You are, you could be there with David in the stronghold. Nothing's going to touch you. You are seated with Christ in the stronghold today. Three, in Christ, all of God's promises are fulfilled and all of them will eventually be realized. There's many promises for today and there's many promises for the future. Number four, in Christ, you are the object of the special love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Number five, in Christ, you are a part of the nations that have come to Zion. China Grove has come to Zion today if you're sitting here and you are a Christian. Number six, in Christ, you have found salvation and all of God's blessings. So, brothers and sisters, in light of this, we should never speak of Zion in a light manner, ever. And with this understanding, we should also rejoice in Zion, knowing that Christ is the King, the ruler, the fulfillment, the giver of all the blessings of God. And if this is true, is there anything more important than Zion today, which finds its fulfillment in Christ? This means that when we read 
and we sing these songs about the gospel and we hear these words about Zion, we leap in our hearts with joy unspeakable because we are in Christ and we have come to the city of the living God. So with that in mind, I, <clears throat> let's, let's pray together. And I, and I hope that, that, that these things will be helpful to you as, as you go out this week. But also, when you read the Bible and you read another topic in the Old Testament, see that it was fulfilled in Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are seated in Christ, who is the fulfillment of Mount Zion. All that the Old Testament speaks about Zion, all of it, we have every bit of that, and I would venture to say so much more than we can think or imagine as Christians today. Help us, help these words to pierce our hearts um, even as we try to even apply this doctrine just in our hearts, help us, Father, today to do that. Give us great love for Jesus. Help us to walk in godliness and not because we have come to this great city, city of the living God, heavenly Zion. Father, we, we don't want to walk in ungodliness as unbelievers do. Help us to do what is right in all things. Most of all, give us great love for you and help our hearts and our affections to love Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.